Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. Here it leads otherwise. Um, love, love the whole Bible. Some people kind of, you know, cast aside or they, they don't focus or concentrate very much on the Old Testament, but I believe in the full, uh, you know, the full counsel of the Word of God. We need it all. It is applicable. There are divisions that need to be made as far as, you know, ceremonial law and understanding and rightly dividing the Word of God, but God's holiness and truth and righteousness remains. Um, amen? And I, I just appreciate him for preserving the Word, that we can be like him, that we can be a uh, conform to the image of Christ. Praise God. Who's got it? Esther chapter 3 and verse 1. Um, before, actually, before we get into it, um, I, I always try to frame the message in such a way as that somebody on their first Sunday would be able to, uh, you know, to, be, um, to have an encounter with God. You know what I mean? And if we're over their head for the entire service, that doesn't really help them. And hopefully I would think that if it's not your first Sunday, you've been here a little while, that you're, on, you're rowing with me. You're not just a, a scenic passenger on where we're trying to go today, but rather you are praying. You're taking part. You're backing the preacher up. You're in a spirit of prayer. You're ready to work in the altars. You're ready to be led by the Spirit. That's what we need, and that's what we should be as mature believers, trying to facilitate the move of God in whatever way that we can. That way when visitors come in who don't know, um, that we have prepared the atmosphere with prayer and with obedience to him and friendliness, shaking hands and just being kind. Sometimes that makes all the difference in the world. So we try to frame things in a way that everybody can understand. I think that's important. So the book of Esther is a, one of the smaller books. It's a, it's a beautiful, um, you know, powerful story. It's very centralized over the character of Esther and one particular event and different events that stem from that. Um, Esther has been chosen to be the new um, bride of the king. She's now going to be, you know, uh, the queen of, you know, basically the world at that point. You know, this, the ruler that she is married into, um, he is the most powerful single man in the world. She's a Jew, and that's on the low, though, because nobody's allowed to know because they're a very marginalized people. And uh, so she is there married to the king. And uh, her uncle Mordecai, who has raised her, he's a Jew. Everybody knows he's a Jew because he dresses a little different. He looks a little different, amen. And you know, he's one of the chosen people of God, so he doesn't operate the same way, way that the world does. I'm talking really fast. You've got to stop bringing me those Red Bulls, Brother Johnny. <laughs> amen. But I've got a lot of ground to cover, too, so give me some, give me some slack, people. So Mordecai is one of the Jews. He's very easily identified as a Jew. He's, you know, he's, his beard looks a little different. You know, the way that he, he you know, acts and operates in the world, even in his, his workplace, people know that he's a Jew because that he, he's just a set apart. The Word of God calls us a peculiar people. Peculiar is, a, is you know, KJV for weird. A little bit, a little bit. You know, a different, a strange people, a people that do not uh, fit into the mold of the world system fully, and they shouldn't, uh, because this is not our home. So we don't focus our, our morals or our, our life, our worth is not found in anything in this world. So we're going to be different if we're going to be his. Amen. And so at this point, the uncle um, is about to have an encounter with the number two guy who is an absolute heathen. He's terrible. His name is Haman. He's wicked. He's vicious. Um, he is a, a political, um, you know, 
you know, sharp. He is always trying to manipulate and do whatever he can to get ahead in life. He is not one of the children of God. His name is Haman. Mordecai is the good guy. Haman is the bad guy. The king is the king, and Esther is married to the king. So here we go. Um, chapter 3 and verse 1. After these things, Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite. Say that three times fast. Agagite. Agagite. I know, sometimes we battle with these names. He's the son of the Agagite. There's a powerful scripture and, and a whole message we could preach about that. But, and he advanced him and set his seat above the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman. That means they deferred to him. They, 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 they kind of bowed down and worshipped him a little bit. You know, it's kind of like you know, paying homage. He's not the king, but he is favored of the king. So they're bowing down to him. And that, you know, that's a no-no for God's people who must have no other gods before them. Um, they, they don't do that. But Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. And the king's servants who were within the gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? Now what happened when they spoke to him daily? He would not listen to them that they told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. For Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay him homage, uh, Haman was filled with wrath. And he disdain, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. He knew Mordecai was not alone. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus and the people, the people of Mordecai. Then Haman said to the king Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus okay, so this has shifted now. We're not, in the, we're not in the courtyard anymore. Haman is not riding around and you know, expecting everybody to you know, defer to him, basically cross the street in front of him, uh, give him honor, and you know, just kind of you know, kowtow to him. That's what he loves. He's very ego-driven, um, you know, and... How crazy is it that you know one person who just doesn't do that? It can you're very insecure in your own self worth. Um, you, know, you, you you have your own issues. But Mordecai's over in the corner. He just won't bow. Like he doesn't do anything wrong, but he just he's not about that. And so Haman is now having a private conversation with the king uh, behind everybody's back, behind the scenes. Haman said to King Ahasuerus, "There's a certain people." scattered and dispersed among the people of the provinces of your kingdom. Now, he does not name these people. He just said there's people. Um, their laws are different from all other peoples, and they do not keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. If it please the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed. I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work and bring it into the king's treasuries so the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the money and the people are given to you to do with as seems good to you. Let's bow our head. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the reading of your word. I know that there is a powerful and life-changing truth um, that is in your word today for us, God. This is, a, uh, this is the living word. This is not just a scroll, a manuscript, God. It's not just a simple blueprint that an intelligent architect or, uh, or, or a person can just read and just gain the full wisdom and understanding of the ages and of God with it. But however, we need the Holy Spirit to help us to understand um, that your word will come to life uh, in a powerful way in us, God, we'd be challenged and changed by it. We thank you for the enduring word of God. Let it change us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So 
Uh, I, I feel like I've kind of set the stage a little bit for this encounter uh, about Haman. Haman is, uh, you know, he, he's the guy who has the pride problem, and he's come against the people of God. And naturally, um, it's about pride. Pride is so at the center of so many of the issues, the conflicts, the problems in marriage, or whether it's in the church house, or whether it's at work. Pride is, is so, so central. As a matter of fact, um, the original problem in, in the heavens is an issue of pride, where the enemy, uh, you know, Satan, at this point, he is losing. Lucifer, um, he is looking and, you know, and jealous. Uh, he's the worship leader, but that's not enough for him. He wants to ascend and be like the Most High. So it's a, it's a pride issue that causes Satan to fall. And so many times that is what's at the center uh, and the root of conflicts is pride. And this is what the, is at the center of this story, Haman's pride. And when he goes before the king, somebody say the king. When he goes before the king, um, number one, uh, he's being disingenuous about the transgressions of the people. He is framing it in a way uh, that has the seed of truth, which most good lies do. They have a seed of truth, and you know, there's, there's part of it that is, that is factual, um, but you're framing it in such a way that it's, it's, not re- like, it's not really about what you're making it to be about. I don't like that. I don't like, disingenuous, that's your word for the day. That's whenever you, uh, you pretend to know less about a situation than you actually do, or you, you, you kind of frame it in a way you're just like you you know what I'm talking about people who will come in and and yeah it was like that but that's not you know and you can't quite put your finger on it sometimes and that's what's really frustrating he's being disingenuous uh, he is framing this problem with the king saying oh great king here's the issue on these people they transgress your laws I don't know what we're going to do we, you know, it, it's terrible we have to have you know, uh, you know declare you know, a national emergency over this because they're here and they're making huge problems and issues and, and, and I don't know, you, know, you better do something about it it's not right what they're doing and so instead of you know, getting into the nitty-gritty of what's actually going on in the kingdom, um, Haman frames it in such a way that it's a personal attack on the king. Now, the king, you got to remember, if you read on a few chapters more, is going to have an assassination attempt on his life. And that's not the first, and it won't be the last. This happens all the time. It's, it's, it's pretty hot at the top. You know, like People are constantly fighting against each other. So whenever he says that there's a, there's a whole group of people who are rebellious, who don't honor you, he's thinking, oh boy, another one of these. And I've got to, I've got to quell this rebellion before and, you know, it, it gets stirred up and now the kingdom falls apart. And, you know, the assassination attempts on my life. He's framing it that way and Haman's letting him go down that road. Does this make any kind of sense? So he is making it the king's problem when really it's just his personal pride problem. He says, they, they break your laws, king, and, you know, they're coming against you. I don't, and, and, you know, he, he even, you know, now I'm kind of like out there. But I, I bet he is saying, you know, I, I hear that they're kind of dangerous, you know, that they work in sectarian ways. And, you know, they're, they're, there's even some here in the palace. You wouldn't know it, but they are. You know, they're everywhere. You know, and that's how people have always treated the Jews. And, you know, that, and they're God's chosen people. And we rebuke that and we pray for Israel in Jesus' name. Um, the enemy would love to destroy him, and it's tried time and time again. So he is sowing all the seeds of doubt, and the king says, okay, okay, well, you know, this sounds like, you know, this is an issue, this is a national security issue. Um, Here, take my ring, and then do do what's right, do what's good with this. And Haman's like, thank you, because now he doesn't have to frame it that way to trick the king. He can say whatever he wants, and what he does is so wicked and evil and terrible. So number one, he's being disingenuous about the transgression of the people. He's making it with a seed of truth, but not really true. Number two, it has nothing to do with the king. It's his own personal pride at stake. Ain't nobody coming after the king. As a matter of fact, if you read on, you'll see who actually saves the king from an assassination attempt, from a coup. It's one of the Jews. So it's not about that. 
It's about Haman. It's about his stinking pride and about manipulating and using the authority of the king to manipulate the people. Now, point three on that, it, it should have tipped the king off that Haman was ready to fund this personal proposal out of his own pocket, you know? Have you ever seen somebody who just made the deal a little too sweet and then you got suspicious, right? Yeah. The, 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 you know, it, it sounded good for a little bit there, and then all of a sudden, oh, I've won $5,000, really? Okay, you know, from this random caller. Hmm. And, 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 you know, sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll hear of a proposal, you'll see something, and, you, and then all of a sudden you're just like, okay, no, 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 no. No, no, it, it, nothing's free. Not like that, no. And honestly, that probably should have tipped off Ahasuerus because he says, you know, they're coming against you and I'm doing my very best. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to root out these spies and you know, I'm watching your back, but it's a full-time job, King, because everybody's coming after you. They want your stuff. They want your job. And, you know, these people, I don't know what else I can do. I mean, if they get you, they get you. I, I've done everything I can. I, I, need, I need that ring off your finger there. I need that authority. And then, so finally he passes it along and Haman's like, yes. And it's really just about his own personal stuff. Um, he, he, but when he offered to pay, you know, tons of silver, to do his job, to do the king's limitless wealth, you know, that probably he was being sneaky. Um, if, if it were really the king's concerns at stake, Haman would have let the king fund it instead of offering his own money. It's kind of how you know there. And here's where we, we really need to go today, and I want to just lean into the word of God and, uh, and let God minister. Um, people are imperfect. Imperfect. Amen? All the perfect people said Amen. That would have been so embarrassing. I, mean, I could see some of you guys who are just my regular backers. You say amen real good. I could see you falling for that. All the imperfect people say amen. amen. Yes, indeed. Amen. We pray for our leaders. Amen. And we don't pray for them to fail. We pray for them to come into agreement with God's word and his plan. And we pray that, you know, if they are, you know, going in a wrong way, that, that they will have a revelation and an understanding of God, and that they will get right, and they will lead our country well. But, uh, you know, we pray, um, I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail, um, we pray for our leaders because they are in a position to make impactful decisions. We pray for the leaders of our country, but we do not look to them as our spiritual leaders or our moral compass. Amen. I, I don't look to my president for moral um, direction. Amen. I didn't this time. I didn't last time. I didn't two times ago. And I won't next time. Unless Jesus has come back and, and has set up you know, his, his perfection. You know, that's the only time I'm going to look to my, to my, my political or you know, leader to, uh, to, to be... A, a moral compass for my life. I just don't do it. I pray for him. Lord, have mercy. I hope you don't. I hope you don't. Look to the word. Look to God. He, he's the only one to look to in these times. Everybody else needs to be looking the same direction. They need to be looked to God. And what we need to understand is um, politics are downstream of culture in our country. And culture is downstream of religion. So if you really go back to the, like the, the, important, uh, you know, the important problem that we run into is, is the, the, the spiritual climate and the spiritual life of our, of our country uh, has gone you know, in a very, very wrong and different way. And we've seen that happen. And next thing you know, now the, it, you know, it rolls over into, uh, into the culture and things become normalized in the culture that are just so anti-God, so full of sin, so wicked and, and wrong. And, and, and then finally you see that now it creeps into the legislation. It creeps into those, those who are being 
elected to run the government. And so the answer is not starting out by voting, voting in the right people and out the wrong people. That's not, that's not where it started, and that's not where it'll stop. That is a trickle-down effect. And matter of fact, it won't start in the culture either. Uh, we're not going to have a great big revival and get the church back to where it needs to um, be, by, by changing culture, you know, just affirmatively or, 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 you know, with Hollywood or, you know, enough left behind or Kirk Cameron films or something like that. That is not going to change anything uh, whatsoever. And what will happen is when we go back from that and we get on our knees and we understand that it is the church, it is religion, it is an, uh, a, an experience with God that will actually set all of those things in motion. You start there. And I'm telling you, this is a little bit of an indictment for all of us because we spend a lot more time complaining about politics and culture than we do trying to change the spiritual climate in our own lives and in our country. How much do we pray versus how much do we complain? You think enough Facebook shares every time something horrible and immoral happens is going to change our culture? It will not. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. We need to understand that. We pray for our leaders. We pray for our country. We pray for our spiritual leaders, for pastors, for ministers, for our teachers, for everyone uh, who is pouring out, uh, you know, every, every, everyone in that, in that area, in that whole realm. We, we pray for them because we know that they are going to be attacked whenever God can cause, cause somebody um, who, is, uh, you know, who, who is an impactful uh, ministry position to fall and to leave a horrible example behind. We understand that the enemy loves that because at that point he can use that. And, and, and no minister or teacher or pastor or preacher or evangelist is perfect. They are, they are people. They are people who've been saved by grace and, you know, and, and filled with the Spirit, but they are people and they, are, they have a target on their back. We need to pray for them. But we don't base our walk with God on the confidence in any man or woman, be they a preacher, a teacher, a singer, a, uh, you know, a, a friend, a confidant, someone who you just look up to, a prayer warrior, doesn't matter. Our faith is not based or rooted in man. Thank God for good men. Thank God for good women. Thank God for his people, for leaders. But that must not shake us. That must not impact us. They are people. We're all people. My faith stands in the word of God. In the person of Jesus Christ. Praise God. There's nothing that a man can do, whether he is president, pastor, or my friend, there's nothing he can do to shake my confidence in my God because I know who he is. So it doesn't matter who you are when it comes to that in my life. It doesn't matter if you aren't who I thought you were. I know who he is. And everything is rooted in God. Praise God. And there's a song. If I was a singer, I would sing it. Do you, do you remember that song? I think OBI did it you know, 15, 20 years ago. My faith doesn't stand. You remember that song? Faith doesn't stand in the wisdom of man. It stands in the power of God. And it doesn't rise or fall when my back's against the wall. My faith stands. Amen. That was just in my spirit so strong this morning. It really was. It really was. I just began to weep and cry and say, thank you, God. 
that it's not about what other people do wrong. It's about what you did right in my life. Thank you, God, that I don't have to root myself uh, in, 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 in infallible people. Thank God for friends. Thank God for pastors. Thank God for ministers. But it's not about that. We're all tapped into the same root system. We need Him. I've been disappointed and so have you. We've seen things on the news or we've heard things that we never thought we would hear. But oh, God's word doesn't change. His character doesn't change. And you can build a life on it. You can build a ministry on it. You can walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fearing no evil, because he is who he says he is. Hallelujah. He is who he says he is every time. He is faithful. He's never let me down. Oh, come on. I've let me down. Get past that before I start complaining about other people. I've let me down. But he hasn't. Praise God. Here's the thing. God is good. And all the time, come on, somebody. God is good. He is good, and his mercy endures forever. God's laws, his decrees, um, everything, his precepts, they are lawful, morally right, and for the good of his people. Somebody say good. God is good. And everything that he says, taken rightly divided and in context with a little bit of common sense and a little bit of study, is good. And you can understand that it's good. Even the, even the tricky and difficult ones is for the good. He's a good God. You know how I know this? Go all the way back to Genesis 1. I'm just going to just kind of share here. Um, I don't want to read the, the whole passage, but uh, Genesis 1, I, I went through it. God is, is he's the creative genius. He's the one who brings, uh, you know, every, he brought everything into existence. And he's still the one who's orchestrating everything in the kingdom. Um, you know, that, that is his plan. He is the creator of the universe, right? So this, I thought this was interesting. Because I just, I see, uh, you know, in my mind, very simply, I see God, um, you know, creating. And so he's like doing a lot of that, you know, creating the cosmos. And this is just, you know, in my mind's eye. And so he, he, he divides things up. And so on the, on the, first, the first day, he, he looks back and he makes it and it's awesome. And he does the first part of creation. And he says, and it was good. So that's pretty good. And the next day. He's dividing this. He's creating this. He's causing this. He speaks. He's causing this to come into existence. And he steps back and he said, that's pretty good. If I do say it so myself. Yeah. And then he does the next day. And he says, oh, that's good. Oh, that's really good. I don't know. An ant, that anteater is a little weird, but I like it. <laughs> it's ugly, but, but it's necessary. But, you know, there's there some animals like, like a platypus, and you're just like, what? Yeah, you know, just like, or some, some dogs, you know, the DNA that he packed in there. I'm like, God, this was your plan for this poor animal to look like this, you know, or people. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. You're all beautiful, every one of you. You know why? Not because your nose is straight or because your teeth are where they're supposed to be. Um, because you're created in the image of God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. My barber said, well, you've really started to go gray since you've been seeing me. I was like, you want to see me again? <laughs> Unbelievable. We're all on our way out. <laughs> Amen. I, my self-worth is not based on whether or not I can fit into my old suit or not, or whether or not, you know, my looks are this or that, or whether I wake up in the morning and I'm a little creaky from basketball and I didn't used to be that way. I don't care. 
I don't care. I got, I got a beautiful wife. And I'm, I'm good. You know, I, I don't care. My, my esteem is not based on any of that nonsense. I am who he created me to be. My purpose was written long before culture shifted uh, to, for whatever's popular to be popular or for whatever preference someone might have. I don't care about any of it. I am who God created me to be. And every single one of you that I'm looking at is created in the beautiful, amazing image of God. You are, you're worth dying for. You're worth sending his only begotten son. And your worth and your value is not based on what any man or woman says it is. Or what anyone from your past, present, or future says, if you know who you are in Christ, your worth is up here, and it can't go up or down. You're, you, you are who you are, and God says, I like it. Yeah. Amen. God, God looked at you and stepped back after creating a beautiful sunrise, after creating the cosmos and starry skies and all the beauty that there could ever exist in that moment, all the DNA that could be packed into a thousand species of beautiful animals, into a thousand different variants of trees and jungle and flowers. And as, as he stepped back and said, that is so good, he created you. He created the first man. And he stepped back. And he said the same thing that he would say to you today. That's pretty good. Of all the things that I created, I breathed into this one. And I wanted communion with this one. God loves you. Yeah. Amen. Five times he finishes and says this is good. The last time, the final time, when he created humanity, he, he stepped back. He said something different. He looked at everything in context all together. And you know what he said? That is very good. Five times he says, good. The final time he looks at us, what he created, he said, well, that's very good. And if God says it's very good, that's pretty good. Right? God is good. <laughs> you love that, don't you? <laughs> Amen. He's got my back. Here's the tricky part, though.